Hello and welcome to the Corner 3, Studio 41 Radio on 97 won The Freak. No Mavs YouTube channel this week, but we're still on Spotify and iTunes. So hey, well this is the beginning of the show, so if you're tuned into the beginning of the show, you'll probably hear at least this part, but if you join later on and rewind to the beginning of the show, you can find the full pod on Spotify and iTunes. Don't you worry about a thing. Hope you're having a fantastic weekend. My name is Bobby Corella. Kati Vialba will join us later. But first, we got a spotlight hour for the man himself, Isaac Harris. Isaac, the show is yours for the next two segments. How do you feel? I feel great. The Mavs are still alive. So we we were worried. You know, la- well, Isaac, Isaac, you think that we don't know what we <laughs> you you think that they are. We're not so sure about that yet. That's true. That's true. Because recording on uh, Friday before uh, the Chicago game. So, um, you know, we were on the show last last Saturday saying, all right, let's see what this next week uh, holds for us all. And uh, Mavs have had some some cool moments, including that Sacramento game like that. The crowd, the arena, the fourth quarter the Kyrie show just you know I think it's safe to say that uh everyone's spirits lately has been a little down uh in the the Mavs universe or what did what did Donnie Nelson call it back a few years ago he called it either Mavs land or Mavsville one of those two Mavs land let's go with Mavs. the spirits have been down in Mavs land uh lately but for that one quarter half game for Sacramento everybody's spirits was up you could call it their one shining moment. That montage. Shout out to the uh, women's NCAA uh, title game. That was a lot of fun. LSU. It was a lot of fun. Iowa. You can't see me. You can't <laughs> see me, Bobby. Yeah, the discourse around that game was also awesome. I got to say, I'm so happy that we got to have that conversation for a full week. There's a lot of go touch grass after that game. Dude, absolutely. Absolutely. It was also a one shining moment too for Mavs Twitter because Christian Wood scored 12 points in the fourth quarter. So despite the Mavs winning and thereby hurting their lottery odds, Christian Wood did play all 12 minutes in the fourth quarter. Isaac, we did it. The DMs were firing on all cylinders. Kyrie Irving also 19 points. Want to talk about that game for a little bit. Of course, the Mavs have played a game since then. I'm assuming they won by 36. I mean, I'm I'm just guessing the final score. Uh, Mavs 127, Bulls 91 on Friday night. Of course, was the final for that one. Um, but but Kyrie against the Kings. I mean, look, the Mavs playoff odds are very long. I know that a couple uh, a couple people that still have check marks that did not get hit by the Elon purge on Twitter have been tweeting out pl- a, a couple accounts, a couple dissident accounts, including the New York Times, have lost their blue check mark, Isaac. But don't worry, mine is still intact, and I think yours is too, um, at least for now. <laughs> Same. So I, I don't want to be perceived as someone that would pay to use that website. Um, no offense to those who do, though. But, you know... Brad Townsend in particular had been tweeting out, uh, I think it was basketball reference playoff odds, and going into the Sacramento game, or like right after the Mavs won, somehow the Mavs had a 52% chance of making the playoffs after that game, or making the play-in, I should say, ahead of OKC, despite OKC's next game being against Utah, and because OKC won a game against a tanking team, now the Mavs only have a 23% chance of making the playoffs. Now, of course, if they lost to Chicago on Friday, then that goes down to zero. The Mavs have to win out in order to make the playoffs, or the play-in, I should say. Um, but, you know, here the Mavs were 
down, what was it, 71 to 60, I think was your halftime score against the Kings. They put on 44 points in the second quarter. Dallas was just, I mean, it, it, it that was it. That's kind of like your season right there, right? And then all of a sudden, Kyrie Irving happens. He had 19 points in the fourth quarter. Sensational all throughout the second half. Christian Wood did make some big uh, shots in the fourth quarter. Tim Hardaway Jr. was sensational. Luka actually did not score a single point in the fourth quarter, um, but finished the game with 29 points still anyway. And... You know, no matter whether you want the Mavs to make the plan, whether you want the Mavs to keep their pick, uh, I'm <laughs> firmly on one side, but that's fine. Uh, it was really cool to see Kyrie just completely take over a game. I mean, it was it was just uh, there's just something like magical about the arena and the vibe in the arena whenever he's really got it going. It's why you go get a guy like him. It's why you you know sacrifice a pick, some quality role players, a guy that you know homegrown and Dorian Finney Smith, that was tough you know to let go. But you go get a star like a Kyrie Irving that can do something like this. That can I mean how well, we could probably count on you know one hand, maybe two hands, the amount of times that the Mavericks have won a close game in which you forgot that like Luca was kind of out there in the fourth <laughs> and it's, it's not like a knock on Luca, but it's, it's like a, Oh, we have another guy. Like we have another guy that can do this. If Luca's tired or if Luca's out of a game or whatever. And like you say with Luca, um, you know, there were plenty of times when Kyrie was, was, you know, going there in the fourth that he he came down and deferred. It was like, here you go. You got this. Um, you know, once Luca came back in the game, like halfway through, but yeah, I mean, Kyrie, I mean, season on the line, like you said, I mean, you went through all the odds going into that game. That's the, you know, say it again. That's why you get a champion too. That's why you get a guy who has the experience of, of Kyrie. It's done what he's done in, in the playoffs. And he knew that, Hey, this, this is our, this is our time. This is the season. I mean, this team, they could have very easily, I mean, like a lot of the fan base just said, let's just, let's just wrap this up. And, uh, close the mall gate, you know, there at Foot Locker and just, you know, pull pull down the metal gate and say, let's shut this thing down and uh, call it call it a night. But they didn't. And Kyrie is like, I'm not. I, I'm not going to do this. I will take this game over. I will put this team on my shoulders and I will win this basketball game. And some of the moves he's, I mean, just <laughs> ridiculous. And he, he hit, I think, what was it, six threes? Um, was six threes in the fourth or six threes in the second half? Um, but just, I mean, not only his three point shooting, but some of his stuff, I mean, that like corner, that elbow, um, kind of double fake move over, you know, fade away over Davion Mitchell. I mean, that was just nasty. I mean, Mitchell played great defense and I, it's just, there are so many times in that fourth, you're like, Oh, okay. Kyrie again, Kyrie again. And, um, that's just what great players like him on the bas basketball court does. Yeah. And he capped it off with this, you know, paint scraping rainbow three from the corner right in front of the Kings bench with like two minutes left in the game. And, and that was kind of the dagger. Now the Kings actually had a chance to win the game. They were down four with like 12 seconds left and the ball. They got a pretty good look at three and they missed. But, um, you know, great performance by Kyrie. Great performance by Kyrie. And that's the kind of thing where even if, even if the Mavs don't make the playoffs this year, moving forward, if Kyrie is on the Mavs again next season, um, you know, pretty important to have two guys that can take over a game like that. You know, we, we've seen Luka do it a million times. Uh, now we've seen Kyrie do it a couple times too. I thought he was fantastic in that Atlanta game as well. 
Uh, the Mavs ended up losing that one, but it was not. Kyrie had nothing to do with them losing the game. Uh, and in fact, throughout most of his time in Dallas, Kyrie hasn't had a lot to do with many of the losses that they've uh, that they've they've suffered together as a duo. So uh, it's, been you know, the, see- it, it, it's been the I, I got to say this. It's been the, the best like. I don't know, litmus tests or the biggest like low hanging fruit for national people to swoop in on their Mavs takes and just take the swipe at, you know, the Kyrie Luca pairing or the, you know, Kyrie fit in Dallas and want to, you know, go a direction or go with the narrative about it. And it's like, all right, that's the biggest tell that you haven't been watching this team before the trade or really you're even like just watching the team play basketball right now. You're just looking at a record uh, since the trade happened and making some big really not even making a narrative continue trying to continue a narrative you already had trying to make a confirmation bias that you know, you have so anyway yeah and I mean it just kind of it's always interesting to be like on this side of the conversation to where like you can see what's happening and then you have people out in the world telling you like hey what's happening is actually not what you're seeing with your eyes it's something else you know um you know because you know, Kyrie obviously has has had, um, you know, his, his issues in the past, but I'm not even talking specifically about him. But whenever the, the rumor mill or like the national conversation is one thing uh, and your reality is totally different, it kind of, I feel like, puts into perspective maybe the idea that like, maybe the people that say these things all the time don't always know what they're talking about. So maybe you shouldn't take them very seriously <laughs> whenever they, whenever they do say these things. Um, and I know like one, like lightning rod, um, one lightning rod in the Dallas media is Tim McMahon, but you're not hearing Tim McMahon say anything about Kyrie Irving. And also I would say if you're a Tim McMahon hater, there's probably nobody in the world with a better understanding of the Mavs organization outside of the organization than Tim. So whatever Tim says is almost certainly true. Um, even if, you know, uh, spiced up a little bit for the, for the, for the retweets. But I mean, again, I think that's just, you know, a, a little media literacy advice moving forward. If you're a Mavs fan and you're, you're perturbed by how Kyrie is being portrayed by national media, just remember who's saying those things. And then the next time that they talk about somebody else, take that with a gigantic grain of salt as well. I kind of view it as like wrestling and like first take and some of these like national shows. I'm like, all right, y'all just got to do something like it's fake. It's kind of, it's kind of full of crap, but you know, you just got to come up with something to, you know, get the, get the, the listens, the, the viewers and and all that. And it's like, all right, cool. Do your thing. Yeah. Every story needs a good heel. Right. And, uh, you know, most athletes are in a position where they can't really fight back against narratives. So, you know, yeah, just, wait, very... just wait until we tease the next next segment and we're going to lean in fully to it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, OK, so standings implications of, I guess, everything. Now, again, you know, it, it kind of stinks that we're recording this uh, right before the Mavs take on the Bulls. It is a game <laughs> with lot on the line uh for the Mavs in 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 two universes one in the play-in situation if the Mavs lose their season is over if they win their season hangs on for another day uh, or I guess another two days because neither team plays until Saturday neither Dallas nor OKC now the Mavs and the Bulls have identical 38 and 42 records now despite the East being very uh very good at the top well, at the bottom, it's very bad. And at 38 and 42, the Bulls are locked in not only to the plan, but also to 10th place. They cannot improve 
their position and the standings, they also cannot fall out of the plan at all. And so it's pretty, you know, pretty obvious that the Bulls are probably going to rest a lot of their big guys on Friday night. Um, both their large people and Nikola Vucevic and also like their best players, like DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, uh, Lonzo Ball, and so on. And now, um, Isaac, you didn't even react to my Lonzo Ball thing. Is that is that just punching too low? I feel bad for the guy. I was gonna say I, I couldn't laugh because I feel I feel bad for him, dude. Hasn't played since I was in like eighth grade. Yeah, that situation does suck though, for sure. Uh, T's and P's, Lonzo. But um, you know, if if the Mavs end up winning that game, which you know. Uh, if the Bulls are resting everybody, then the Mavs are probably going to lose the game. But, uh, you know, if, if the Mavs do win the game, um, the Mavs are alive for the playing contention. However, that would move them, according to my Tankathon rankings, down to the 11th best draft odds. And now here is uh, here, here's something to chew on. If the Mavs win out, which we expect them to do, and if the Thunder win out, which they only have one game left, and they're playing against the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are probably going to rest all of their players, so we suspect the Thunder will win out. Then Dallas and OKC will finish with identical 40-42 and 42 records, meaning the Mavs will probably finish tied for 12th in the lottery. Uh, why is that important? Well, as you know, the Mavs owe a top 10 protected pick to the New York Knicks. So if that pick is 11th, it belongs to the uh, the Knicks. If it's top 10, the Mavs get to keep it, but the Mavs will only, if they finish outside the top 10, as far as 10 worst records, they will only be able to keep their pick if they, according to Tankathon, get the 11.7% chance to move up into the top four or the 2.5% chance to move up to number one. So Isaac, again, we're talking, uh, we're talking from the past here, but should we just go ahead and kiss that pick goodbye or, or what? <laughs> This game we were talking about before we hit record, just like how weirdly important this game is. And of all teams to play the second last game of the season, it's the Chicago Bulls. Like it's just wild how it turned out too, because it's not like the Bulls are some like perennial horrible team. You know, they're just in this like weird spot in the in the East and everything pretty much hinges on the Bulls and Mavs, like tenth, eleventh pick. Dallas keeping it Chicago you know and so it's weird because if whatever camp you're in so let's pick let's pick a camp for a second if you're in a camp in the camp of I want the Mavs to get their pick like I want the Mavs to land at pick 10 I've seen enough I don't think they're gonna make a run then you're freaking out about the Chicago game going into it last night and you're like all right the the odds of you know OKC losing against Memphis coming up like you said, Memphis has been resting some of their players because they're locked into the two seed and all that stuff. And they're at home. OKC feels like they've been wanting to get into the play-in thing, get some experience for the young guys, all that. If you're if you're wanting them to lose that Chicago game, it's it's tough because it's like it's the double whammy of not only do you have to lose to like miss the play-in, but it's Chicago the team that you have to finish with a worse record than. So it's like the double whammy of you winning. And then if you win and beat the bulls, then you will have a, you know, a better or yeah, better record than Chicago. It's weird thinking in like reverse there. Um, if you're in the other camp though, of dude, just get us into the plan. Did you see what Kyrie did against Sacramento? Like Kyrie and Luca, they could be the best two players in the play-in. Like we can make a run. We could play Minnesota in the first game of the play-in. I'm not scared of Minnesota. Like if you're in that camp, then you're pretty excited about it because Chicago's, you know, obviously resting players. Looks like you can win out. 
you're just really just crossing your fingers hoping for OKC to lose that Memphis game. Um, but, you know, and you, and you can't – here's the thing that we all think about or here's the thing that we like to talk about sometimes, but we, we forget with the players. Players don't give a crap about that 10th pick, okay? Like, they they want to go out there and play. They want to go out there and play like Kyrie did and have, you know, it's like, play with pride. Let's win this thing. We're still in it. We're going to fight. We're, you know, we, we want to keep playing. This is what we do if they're really competitive and all that. So you can't blame the players for going all out against Chicago, wanting to play against Chicago and not wanting to just, like, close up shop and all that. It's just a, it's such a weird, weird situation for Dallas to be in. It is like the perfect, uh, the perfect storm, and and it, it it's even further complicated by a couple things. So if you are in the let's keep the pick crowd, well, right after the Mavs lost to the Hawks in overtime, um, the Hawks played the Bulls, and now had the Bulls won that game, then the Bulls would need to win against the Mavs on Friday night in order to potentially move up to ninth and thereby host the play-in game. But because the Bulls lost the Hawks, well, now they're locked into 10th. Had the Mavs beaten the Hawks, then also the Bulls would need to win too, but then uh, that you know the Mavs would still be in the same position. The Jazz also, in the last week, missed a buzzer beater to win in Brooklyn, and they missed a shot in the final couple seconds to tie the game against, who was it, the Lakers, I think? Yeah, Taylor Horton Tucker missed a pull-up. Uh, yeah, they went to overtime. Yeah, you're right. And so, uh, and also the Thunder, by the way, the Thunder lost to the Pacers, who the Mavs beat by like 30. Uh, the Thunder lost to them, even with Shea Gildas Alexander. He'd been out for a little while. He was back for that game. The Thunder lost that game. If they had won, the Mavs would already be eliminated from the play-in, and so they'd probably be, you know, uh, keeping an eye on that top 10 pick. So there's just a whole lot of uh, of, of factors here many of which are out of the Mavs' control. And that's why, you know, Isaac, even though I've, you know, I, I, I think it would be pretty nice for a team with two All-NBA players to have a top 10 pick at their disposal to trade, uh, to, to try and get better. Um, you know, I, I still recognize that so much of lottery positioning is out of your control. And so I, I totally agree. I mean, you can kind of do the mental gymnastics needed to like talk yourself into getting the number one pick. But like you said, uh, if the Mavs have a 1.1% chance to become the 10th seed, uh, the players are going to fixate more on that 1.1% chance than they are going to think about, you know, the, the, you know Dwight Powell's not going to be thinking about the guy the Mavs are going to draft to replace him, right? Reggie Bullock is not going to be thinking about the guy the Mavs are going to draft to replace him. Those guys are going to be trying to make the playoffs. You know, Josh Green, Jaden Hardy, they're trying to get paid. They're trying to get minutes. You know, like all these guys are going to keep playing hard and trying to win. Um, and so, you know, it, it's just... I don't know. I mean, that part is out of our control too. <laughs> so it's just kind of like you were just along for the ride. Yeah. There's a chance though, that like the worst case scenario is the Mavs missed the plan. They missed a pick. And I mean, if you've been following along with this, then you know, kind of the route that that could go is Dallas, you know, let's say they, let's assume they won against Chicago last night, Chicago rest their players, Mavs won. So now you go into this last day, <laughs> OKC versus Memphis, you know, D Dallas versus San Antonio, San Antonio, they're kind of locked into that, the, you know, one of the worst records in the league. So they actually won a few nights ago. So, I mean, they might try, but if they go into that last game and OKC and Dallas both win, Dallas isn't keeping their pick unless that 11% chance hits, you know, in that top four. And it could be even lower by then. 
too. Yeah. And Dallas won't be in the plan because OKC has a tiebreaker over them. And that's kind of the no man's land. That's the, I'm just stuck in the middle and, you know, selfishly for the content world. It's a tough world too. <laughs> um, don't have the plan to talk about. Don't have a draft pick to talk about. So, uh, you know, we can just talk about more murals around Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the bad place, man. I mean, ideally, ideally you either get into the plan or you get the pick. Now, you know, your odds of your odds of either of those things happening are pretty low at this point. So, <laughs> so it's looking like, uh, it's looking like we're going to end up being disappointed one way or the other, but Hey, um, sometimes life doesn't work out. You know, sometimes things happen. Uh, heck today there's construction in the office, so we can't record this podcast. Uh, we can't re- record this podcast at Mavs HQ. So we're both recording remote. Sometimes things happen and, uh, all you can do is cope. You know, all all you can do is try and cope or, or try and find a new hobby or something to distract you from the harsh reality that uh, your favorite sports team season did not work out the way you hoped. That's the best that I can say. Um, on that existentially dreadful note, Isaac, what do you say in the next segment? We uh, we eulogize this math season one way or the other. Uh, who knows? They 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 could go on to win the championship still. Okay, nothing, nothing is, oh, unless they lost last night, then they can't win the title. But anything can happen still. But we're going to go ahead and talk about the season that was and how it will be remembered. The good, the bad, the great, the ugly, the DMs, the quotes, and so on. Right after this on the Corner 3 on Studio 41 Radio. Welcome back to the Corner 3 Studio 41 Radio on 97.1 The Freak on this Saturday that may be sunny. It might be a little overcast, might be cold, might be hot, might be humid. Who knows? The people at The Freak are very, very uh, benevolent people. That's a good word, right, Isaac? That means they're good? Um, Sure, yeah. Does it? Yeah. I, I, okay, I don't want to insult our, our, our lovely hosts here. They're very gracious hosts. Uh, they're, they're fantastic people to work with, but... They do ask for the pod a day early. And so here we are on Friday, speaking in the dark about what happened on Friday night. Did the Mavs win? Did the Mavs lose? Are the Mavs playing hopes alive or have they been dashed? Are the Mavs going to be in the top 10 in the draft lottery or are they going to need a whole lot of help from Lady Luck? Did Kobe White drop 35 last night? <laughs> it's Anything is possible, man. Anything is possible. But hey, we can't talk about that stuff. What we can talk about, Isaac, what we are sure of is how we feel about this season. How we've experienced this uh, wild, at times fun, but mostly turbulent ride from October through today. And now, our, my, my text message prompt for this conversation was literally just, how will you remember this season? And so I just, I'm not even going to ask any questions other than that. Isaac, how will you remember this season? Um, I mean, it's one of the most disappointing Mavs seasons in, in a while. Um, you know, you, you kind of just go back to how it started and, you know, really even how last season ended of the, you know, those two playoff series. It's wild because, you know, I, we were talking about this in the Lockdown Mavs the other day of like the best moments of the past, like, I don't know, even like 10 years. And like the lowest moments of like the last 10 years. And 
man, that Phoenix game seven is like one of the highest of highs, you know, I mean, arguably the, the best moment since, you know, the 2011 season. And now it's like, I mean, what a 180 of like, this is one of the lowest of lows for, for a while that you beat the Suns team in that game seven. It was, I mean, incredible. We were all just enjoying it so much. The Golden State series happens. They were just different type of team, you know, vets. They had the experience. Dallas kind of kind of ran out of steam, but they made it to a conference finals. And it's like they they leave that series and going into the season, it was, hey, we got to get better. You know, we got to improve the big spot. We got to you know get some bigger bodies down low. The you know the Christian Wood trade happens. It's like, oh sweet, you took a swing at uh, you know another big and Christian Wood. You take a swing for Jaden Hardy. You trade a couple seconds and move back up in the second round. Get Jaden Hardy and Nico's all about him. And we're talking at two o'clock in the morning on draft night. And Nico's walking around handing everybody strawberries on a on a platter. And it's one of the weirder things, but it was really cool on Nico's part. And that is a really weird scene to just envision. <laughs> yeah. And uh because we had stuck around for so long. And but it was all right. They were in the conference finals. Luca's a perennial MVP guy. And you know, when that season ended and it's like, all right, they're going to, they just took a swing for Christian Wood. And this was before Brunson left. And then Brunson leaves and you're like, all right, didn't get anything back for Brunson. But I think we're like, we still got talent though. And the expectations, that's what changes everything. We've talked about a million times when expectations change and they go up, then it just changes everything about how much you enjoy a season or the online discourse or, you know, content and all this stuff. And then the season starts and it's like, if you would have asked me in the first like month, it would have been, oh, this is, this is Luca's MVP year. This isn't, this is going to be an all-timer and just going off. It's like, dude, he was MVP favorite and all of that. And then just went all down from there. So now, I mean, if, if you're going to say, what's the biggest thing I'll remember I'll just it, it's I don't even think it's like one exact little thing it's just a collection of if I could build a disappointing season for the Mavs coming off the conference finals and have like a pot and fix like a disappointment soup there's just about 10 different ingredients that I would throw in there from this season that just all combine to one of the worst tasting soups I've ever tasted <laughs> Well, it's like just sipping on burnt coffee, you know. It's just kind of like, man, what what could have been? <laughs> I mean, we, <laughs> we could didn't talk about so much. I, yeah, I mean, we could talk about the ingredients of it, and I mean, let's just start for like since I already mentioned it. You know, they they go out and they they try to improve the big spot, and they add Christian Wood. They take the swing on Christian Wood, which is which was a flyer type move. They traded the end of the bench expiring contracts and the twenty six overall pick, you know, for Christian Wood. And then they signed JaVel McGee and you know, we're in this, we're in the last part of the season and Dwight Powell's back as a starting center. So if that tells you anything about your big, you know, additions at the beginning of the season, they just didn't work out. And there's a lot of debate over Christian Wood, but obviously he hasn't, he hasn't done enough to prove to the coaching staff that he is a 35 minute a, a night starting center in the league. JaVel McGee, we know, has not worked out like they envisioned. And that's one of the ingredients in the soup that's like, dang, that was really, really disappointing because that was one of the big things they wanted to improve this season. Yeah, I mean, I think from a completely, like, objective standpoint, 
um, I guess I'm using the word objective a little too charitably because like the way that I see basketball, right? So I'm not, not my, not how I'm emotionally invested in the team or like, uh, financially invested in it or whatever, because I work for them, or whatever, but to, purely from like a basketball analytical X's and O's, my perception and perspective on the game standpoint, I don't think that they needed to pursue like a rim protecting big this summer. And I also don't think they needed to, I mean, I guess like the idea of having more of an offensive oriented big um, is pretty good because Maxi, Dwight, you know, on, on their best day, they're going to give you like 10 points, right? Or 15 points or something. So just having the, a guy like Wood that you can bring off the bench um, or start however you want to deploy him is pretty nice because it's just another source of offense, right? At a, at a position that was that was sort of lacking it. But in the moment, watching Golden State and in the weeks following rewatching it and seeing highlights and also just the way that I understand basketball, the Mavs did not lose to the Warriors because they didn't have a rim protector, right? They didn't lose to the Warriors because they didn't have just like a rebound gobbling machine down there. They lost to the Warriors because Steph was cooking them on the perimeter. No one could stay in front of Jordan Poole. And frankly, it was their wings that really killed them on the offensive glass. I mean, I know Kevon Looney had, what, three or four offensive rebounds a game in that series. A couple times he went off for more. But oftentimes, Looney is getting rebounds because your defense is all out of sorts guarding Steph Curry, right? You got three guys in the corner with Steph somehow, and now all you have is, like, Jalen Brunson to box out Kevon Looney. Like, obviously, you, you know, you're going you're gonna to lose that matchup. Um, but it was Andrew Wiggins. It was, like, Gary Payton the second. It was... Like, all of those guys getting the rebounds. Um, the Otto Porter, you know, killed the Mavs in a couple games before he got hurt for the rest of the series. And so, you know, it's it's not the... It's, it wasn't the big man that was their weakness in that series. And so I just thought, generally, like, if you can upgrade at any position in the offseason, that's cool. But, like, citing that as, like, the primary example, like, we lost the Warriors because the Kevon Looney... Like, that's just a, a misunderstanding and a miscalculation of, of what happened in that series. Now, I obviously know the Mavs aren't just, like, the, the Mavs aren't, like, s- silly enough to, like, totally think that. Um, it is easier to, I guess, in theory, try and upgrade at big uh, than it is on the wing because wings are very expensive. Wings are very hard to come by. I mean, we saw the Raptors reportedly turn down, like, three or four first-round picks for OG Ananobi. We saw the Nets apparently say we wouldn't even trade Mikael Bridges for four first-round picks. I mean, these are guys that are not all-stars and not even, like, I guess Bridges is playing like an all-star. But, like, yeah, OG is, like, not even close to an all-star at this point in his career. And they won't trade him for three first-round picks. So it's very, very hard to upgrade on the wing. And so, yes, it does make sense to try and upgrade somewhere, right? And big is probably the easiest place to do it, in theory. Now, the Mavs did not upgrade a big. I think it's pretty evident because they're, like you said, they're rolling out Dwight still. Who I still think is a good player, by the way, but I'm I'm really? just some no guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm just some guy. Um, okay, and see, Max, uh, Bobby, right now he has a you know Dwight tattoo on his forearm. Yeah, I do. I, I actually got a seven right on my forehead. Um, and I thought Maxi was having a pretty good year before his injury, and then since he's come back, he just has not had it. You know, and so hopefully next year he'll be he'll be closer to 100. percent But um, you know, the Mavs tried to upgrade a big, and and it didn't work. Um, the Mavs tried to keep Jalen. Uh, to a degree that is, I guess we'll get into that in a future segment uh, on the show. Still talking about it. Yeah. Um, and that didn't work either. 
and then they tried to roll out the the pretty much the same idea of the same roster they had last season and that didn't work and so they tried to get Kyrie and that didn't work either and so you know some of this is just trying and failing which is pretty compelling from like a, a neutral standpoint um you know the team is really really trying to find the right mix around Luka and I think five years in now I'm still not entirely sure what that is. I'm not sure what the right mix around Luka looks like. Uh, they came awfully close last year to go into the finals. And if they went to the finals, who knows? Maybe they win the whole thing. But I don't think, I mean, I I know actually for a fact because I have a Twitter account and I read my replies. Um, Mavs fans did not think that last year's team was even close to the right mix around Luka. Um, because it was Dwight Powell and Maxi, and people didn't like Jalen until the playoffs. People, A lot of people still don't like Dorian Finney-Smith. Like, and those guys almost got it done, right? They almost got over the hump. They almost got all the way to the finals. Um, but I'm not sure if that's the right mix, objectively. So I, I just, I. So anyway, very, very long-winded way of saying I'm not sure. Uh, from an objective standpoint, I'm not sure that that this isn't a really interesting season. Like I, I think that this is a, a very compelling season in the course of a, a franchise's trajectory. Now, from an emotional standpoint, um, the experience of watching this team was a huge bummer because of what you talked about, the expectations and the burden that places on the team and on the fans and on everybody around it. Like, you know, a loss is no longer just a loss. It's now like, what does this mean for Luca's legacy? What does this mean for the summer of 2019? What does this say? Yeah, what does this say about Mark Cuban and about Nico Harrison and about Jason Kidd and about all of this stuff? Like everything, everything is just drenched in like narrative and otherness that makes the day-to-day experience of watching a you know mediocre basketball team very, very, very annoying um, and very tough. But um, I'm able to kind of put that to the side because I've watched a lot of basketball over the years, and and this season kind of reminds me of. Uh, in 0203, the Mavs won 60 games. They went to the Western Conference Finals. Dirk got hurt. They ended up losing the series to the Spurs. The following season, uh, the Mavs, by their standards, had a very disappointing year. They finished, I think, fourth or fifth in the West. They won 50 or 51 games, something like that. They had the number one offense. They couldn't guard anybody. It was Antoine Walker, Antoine Jameson, rookie Josh Howard, rookie Marquise Daniels. They got bounced in the first round to the Kings. You know, and and we thought like man, you won 60, you went to the conference finals. It's just going to get better and better and better every year, right? It took the Mavs two more years before they would go to the finals and seven more years before they'd win the finals. And so your your progression is never going to be really like linear. There will always be steps back. And so going into this season, I kind of expected that to be the case. Like it's, it's really hard to build upon going to the Western Conference finals. Um, but just because I kind of expected the team to maybe not be as good, it does not mean that my expectations were lowered. You know, I still thought you need to avoid the plan. You need to win a playoff series. Um, and the Mavs, they might avoid the plan in the wrong way. And it's going to be historically difficult to win a playoff series they would have to become the first 10 seed ever Isaac to win a first round series so this year on the court is going to be a failure off the court they've tried a lot of things and and that's probably going to you know be considered a failure as well um but I think it just this it just really reinforces how hard it is to win and even last year after the conference finals literally the first thing I said was it, they have to go back to, st- to square one and you know you go all the way back down to the mountain you got to climb up again it's gonna be really tough so don't expect it to be this easy every year moving forward uh, and I think we're seeing that play out over the last few months here yeah this year you know a loss against you know the gosh just pick a team a loss against the Pacers in January on a Tuesday night and you know that night it's 
what does this do for Cuban's presidential run? And it's like, okay, well, what? <laughs> I don't know what. Uh, it's been tough. You know, there's so many different things that I'll remember this season by. I'll remember uh, Christian Wood's agent DMing a bunch of people, uh, media. Um, that Yeah, and the, just the Christian Wood experience with fans of just, you know, that you've seen kind of this wave go between the different fan bases from his time in Detroit and then, you know, in, in Houston and now to Dallas to where, you know, fans, one of the benefits of, you know, working at a company like Locked On and doing the daily shows, we have all these hosts for all these other teams. And it's like, we, you know, traded for him. It's like, you know, our Pistons Rockets hosts are like, hey, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you'll see, <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll be in you know, the fans. Just it, it's, he's such a polarizing player because he's so dynamic on the offensive end, but there's always been this like disconnect of him with coaching staffs or him, you know, just behind the scenes. And that just played out now of like this different reality of how a lot of the fans feel about a certain player. And then it's just very obvious how a coaching staff feels about a player too. And so like, that's one, one part of the experience um, this, this season, you know, you mentioned with Luca um, and when you in missing the possibility of missing a play in, I mean, that alone, when you have an MVP candidate, just, just put this on paper when you have an MVP candidate and you miss the play-in, like not even the play-in, you're not even one of the top 10 teams in your conference, and that MVP candidate, it's not like he missed like the entire season, then that's that's a that's a failure. Like that's a disappointment right there, then and there. Um, and you know, Lucas season has been unique in 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 that sense of like starting off that MVP stuff and um and then just over over time you know, he's addressed the complaining to the referees. I mean, he's, you know, had that quote a while back about not having as much fun on the floor too. So that's been a super, you know, bummer uh, as a fan that you can, you know, you see a guy that's so joyful on the court and he's not having the same fun. Um, that's a big bummer. And so Lucas, a part of it, the Christian Wood experience is part of it. And I mean, honestly, the Kyrie trade is going to be a huge part of the season too. Like even if it, you know, they missed the plan, doesn't work out and all that stuff. They still traded for a Kyrie Irving that this appointment, this, the season as a whole will be a disappointment. But still, when you look back at this, you know, 22, 23 season, it's like, all right, that season was a failure. Dang, that was the year we traded for Kyrie though. That's crazy. Especially if he stays in Dallas long-term. And I think sometimes too, like this is now the most copium, like this is the, the the rosiest way of looking at what has otherwise been kind of a disaster. Um, sometimes it takes like very extreme failure in order to make meaningful change, right? Um, you know, it took, I don't know how you would describe the Clippers series in 2021, but the Mavs were up 2-0. Um, they were up 3-2 playing at home. They end up losing that series and the Mavs, you know, moved on from from both Rick and Donnie, you know, and now I'm not saying I'm not even implying that after this season, they're gonna move on from Jake Kidd and Nico. But what I'm saying is that like, if your expectations are up here, and you finish down here, um, that means that something has to change, you know, you you cannot keep rolling out the same players, you can't keep the same strategy, whatever, like something has to change. And so, you know, I know that like one common um, talking point only after losses, over the years on Twitter is that the Mavs have a lot of the same players that, that, that they've had for a few years now. Well, pretty safe to say, I would think that after a season like this, where 
Maybe you had like the the best intentions. Maybe you thought you had a top six team. Maybe you thought you had a top four team. Maybe they maybe they really earnestly believed that this team was going to be good enough uh, to get right back where they were last year. Well, now you're going to finish tenth at best, right? Um, it it ain't going to work again. You know, you you need to make meaningful upgrades. And now I, the the one thing, the one sort of padding that I can give to that is that after last season, you know, if you listen to me talking on the radio, on radio interviews, or if you watch me on Twitch or whatever, uh, it, it was pretty apparent that the Mavs were not going to be able to make like some huge move over the the offseason last summer just because of the nature of their contracts and their books. It was not, they weren't clean enough this summer. I'll just say that I want to temper my expectations here, but this summer that is not the case as much. The Mavs will have a pick or two that they could trade. They're going to have a couple more expiring contracts. They're going to have more interesting contracts that they can move. And so it is possible. I'm not, again, I'm not going to believe. Yeah, yeah. It is the what else? The most that I can say, so that no one clips this and ships it whenever they only make two moves. The most I can say is that there are more possibilities for the Mavs to make meaningful trades, impactful trades, and potentially meaningful upgrades this summer than it, than there were last summer. Kirk Henderson himself, Kirk Serious Face, um, the preeminent Mavs nihilist online, right? Even he said this is going to be a quote medicine year, right? Like the the Mavs just had very limited avenues to to make upgrades this going back all the way to last summer. The fact that they got Kyrie is almost a miracle. Um, now, it took a very specific set of circumstances for that to happen, but regardless, they got Kyrie. Um, that excuse goes away this summer. This summer, they have the they have the ammo, they have the perspective now as well to know that this is something that has to happen. Yeah, and I was just trying to look at other ingredients for this season. I'll say, an, I'll say another ingredient that you could throw into the pot. I'd say any time that I could do a... Uh, a podcast of myself, Nick, Tim Cato, Austin Gurria on, you know, for um, kind of a crossover pod. Anytime you can do a, a podcast all on your head coach's quotes from the season, I'd say that's an ingredient for the season. Uh, there's been some uh, very interesting Jason Kidd quotes this year. Now, I'll I'll counter it a little bit saying the team record probably, you know, brightens those those quotes to where if the Mavs were a top four you know seed would they be as big of a deal of quotes um maybe not but there's some some different quotes in that and I'll say on a good note since we focus a lot on the disappointing I think you could look at Josh Green has tailed off but there was that stretch of Josh Green before he got hurt and his elbow and all that and they're like man he's really taking a leap in this last like month of the season seeing how Jaden Hardy has kind of taken a step forward that was unexpected for me. I thought he was going to ride the bench most of the year, learn as a rookie and all of that. But this past month has been really encouraging as a Mavs fan that I'm like taking away from the season, man. Like, man, that's really exciting to see what Jaden Hardy could be. Yeah, I mean, you have two guys who are, what, one is 20 and the other is 21 or just turned 22 or something in, in Hardy and Green that you can legitimately envision like – a clear defined role for significant role for in the future and when was the last time that happened around here <laughs> you know i mean we're we're like the old team we're the jalen brunson yeah pretty much yeah jalen and luca you know uh so maybe maybe the mavs have two jalen brunson's on their team isaac uh let's hope their stories end a little differently uh than jalen's did um okay well that was cool to talk about our feelings maybe we'll do it again next weekend whenever the Mavs are in the first round uh coming up next we'll be joined by Katia uh for the rest of the show and we're going to talk about uh not Jake quotes no we're going to talk about Mark Cuban quotes next 
on Studio 41 Radio. Welcome back to the Corner 3 on Studio 41 Radio 97.1 The Freak. It is Saturday, April 8th, 2023. Hope you're having a fantastic one. I am still Bobby. He is still Isaac. But the band is back together because joining us now is the great Kati Vialba. Kati, how are you? Hello. How's it going? Uh, it is going f- about as well as it can be considering <laughs> the season. Kat, in the last segment, Isaac and I talked about... Uh, how this season will be remembered (laughs) by everybody by us in particular what was it like to watch this team and so i just want to give you a chance top answer (sighs) bad well (laughs) we went with like a soup analogy of like there's a lot of ingredients that mix together to form a really bad soup so if you had to throw an ingredient in there what ingredient would that be bobon's goldfish to make it crispy (laughs) like Just throw them on top. <laughs> Ooh. Twist missing, the knife, too. Missing Bobon. Yeah. I mean, I know yeah. I'm not the only one. <laughs> Bobon's goldfish make this a bad soup, but you know what would have made it taste better? Bobon. Just <laughs> Bobon himself. Um, okay, so Kat, for the last few days, has been offline. Uh, we've all had some, some stuff going on in the world. Kat has not been... Uh, it's been a while since you've logged on. Okay, so this segment is actually going to be completely new to you. Um, <laughs> I'm nervous. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, Cat yeah. just not only touched it, rolled around in it for for days. I went uh, I went on a run. That, that's that's where I was before this. So Like, I like been... a, a three-day run? You've just been, yeah, basically. Like you're actually you're all mind. the way in Alabama now. You just, yeah. like, just ran so far. Run, um, horse, run. <laughs> So, before the game on Wednesday night, Mark Cuban held court with the media. It's actually been a while since he, like, since he did one of these pregame press conferences. It used to be a staple of yeah. the home Mavs say, game experience. Since I've been working for the Mavs, I don't think he has done one. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely has Stare, not. Stairmaster no more. My, oh my gosh, I remember those. Those were... <laughs> yeah, it was always... It's, it's always an experience to be standing right next to a, a dude on the stairmaster who's like an hour deep into a workout, but still just talking about CBA minutia. I um, mean, props that you can climb stairs for that long. I get so bored on the stairmaster. I I mean, you know, it does have the TV in front of him, and he's telling jokes to all of us, and you know, we're all we're all all too happy to laugh at all the jokes. Um, <laughs> but okay, so he held court. With the reporters and now uh, Brad Townsend and the Morning News put them all together into a Q&A article. And so, Kat, I just want to read a couple quotes here and I want to get your take on it. And Isaac, I want to get your thoughts on these two. OK, so first, just about the season as a whole. These are all from Mark Cuban, OK, the owner of the Mavericks, um, our bosses, 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 boss, right? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess, Kat, are you my boss? Because in that case, you'd be my boss's 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 boss. I don't think I'm your boss. I'm your manager. It's, it's a little different. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Cuban said the first one, quote, I blew it. It was on me personally because the game changed in terms of the take fouls and the speed of the game and where you need to be defensively. So Can there's, you tell there's us a the question. Uh. The season well, as a whole. There is no question here. This was just like the the main quote. Um, 
this is just what ha- what went wrong with this team. Why is this team underperforming? And Mark says, I blew it. It was on me personally. Okay, so that's that's part one. Um, so Isaac, like what you said, kind of deflecting blame from Luca, uh, deflecting blame from J Kid. I honestly like I have no problem with that, right? Like take the heat off, right? We saw Rick do that all the time. Like the Mavs would get blown out, and Rick would be like, "I got to better prepare these guys." But how about this? I part? mean, that's what that's what a good leader does, right? They they mm. take the accountability instead of like throwing blame. Absolutely. Yeah. Ain't, ain't, ain't no, ain't nobody going under the bus. Okay. Except for me. But how about the next part? The game changed in terms of the speed of the game. Okay. But the take fouls, the take fouls just totally changed the game. The speed of the game totally changed and where you need to be defensively. So how, how do you feel about, uh, how do you feel about the rules? affecting the way things go um i think you did a deep dive on the take foul and there was not much that changed overall in the league right correct okay i'm just making sure i have my facts straight yeah the number of free throws this season has actually gone up okay so (laughs) you probably should have had a little conversation with him before this quote (laughs) <laughs> and let him know, and let him know hey clearly mark is not a he, he's not a listener of numbers on the boards <laughs> come on mc I mean, yeah um the mavericks play at their own speed of the game anyway <laughs> like i don't know i that's wow okay anyway moving on <laughs> yeah yeah this this quote was tough for me because you know the first part yeah i got it you know it's like hey you know yeah. he took the blame um yeah, you can read between the lines like, hey, you know, if they pulled off Kyrie, and then that's that's Nico's, you know, oh man, Nico pulled that off. Something sucks, then it's Cuban's fault. Um, but it's the the take foul was was a funny one for me of man, this season's tough. Let's take foul. You know, that's that's why things are tough this year, is the 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 take foul. So I probably would have had a couple, you know, better reasons of why the season took a turn, but uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you you see maybe one or two a game, <laughs> if that. So yeah. I, yeah, to blame like the whole season on it is is tough. Um, and then what was the the next part? So it was the the speed of the game pace. and yeah, and, and all that. The speed so. and pace the same. That affected how they like built the roster and and all that, but okay. Um, the the next quote that I think we have to talk about is is the Jalen Brunson quote, and I think Bobby will probably have uh, the exact quote in front of you, but he was, you know, the Brunson. I mean, that's been a hot topic this week, right? They asked Luca yeah. about it. Um, yeah, Kat, what do you practice? think about the Brunson story still being a story? Like we're still talking about it now. I mean, I understand that, like, we as a fan base miss him and what he brought to the table. But, like, I don't know, because at the same time, like, people still bring up Steve Nash. <laughs> That's true. So, like, if people are still bringing up Steve Nash, like, I don't know. They're going to keep on bringing up Brunson for years. And the, the Dallas fan base is a very passionate fan base. Yeah. And um 
it's like it's like uh that scene in super bad when um jonah hills is like running riding off on the bike and he's like people don't forget they're not gonna forget <laughs> bobby do you have the exact quote from cuban about the Jalen brunson uh, departure uh i believe in full transparency first so i just want to say that i had to step away from uh the recording booth for a moment um <laughs> There's been a lot going on in my life over the last couple weeks, and a lot of things just happened all at once uh, involving uh, my aunt, uh, a dog, (laughs) and a bunch of other things. So anyway, all is well. Uh, The quote about Jalen Brunson's dad, um, he said it it was going well until the parents got involved. That's kind of like the most... Until until Nick hired Rick? (laughs) Yeah. Taking over negotiation. Okay, okay. So here, here's. Uh, wait a minute. Oh my gosh, this is really long. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It, I mean, he t- he said it was going the, well until the parents got involved. Yeah, it was more about the negotiations. It was. Yeah, hey, he he said that they never got a chance to match. Right? They never they never got a chance to actually submit an offer. Uh, and he also pushed back against the notion too that. I mean, this is all just such speculative hearsay and just he said, he said, she said, they said, I said, you said kind of deal. But like the the original reporting back over the summer was that the Mavs, um, Jalen would have agreed to the four-year extension had the Mavs offered it to him in like January. In the middle of the season, yeah. Yeah, but that the Mavs didn't offer it to him leading up to the trade deadline because they were interested in potentially trading him if they could get a superstar, right? Um now, whenever that came out, I initially did not really believe that at the time because I thought like by then Jalen had already been really, really good. And so he was already way, I mean, there's no reason that he would have accepted that contract in January, but that's just my opinion. I have no, like, that's not reporting. Um, I mean, now, in hindsight, Ma- you could always go back and say, oh, well, I was thinking this any like, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like retroactively use that as a reason to want to negotiate with another team because you don't believe in me. How can I trust you? Um, now Mark said that they never, he never would have accepted that contract or like he didn't do it or that it wasn't even on the table or something like once the season started or something like that. So I'm sure that the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Um, but either way it is, you know, it's unfortunate that that is something that is still being litigated publicly. Um, I just wish that it had all worked out better for everybody. That's that's the way I could put it. It's, yeah, I it's think just you, you stepped. Oh, go ahead, Isaac. No, no, you got it. You got it. Oh, I was gonna say you stepped away whenever Isaac asked me if uh, what I think about like fans still bringing it up a year later, and I was like, um, people still talk about Steve Nash. So I the, mean, the sucky part about this though is it's not even fans talking about it. Like, like we're like media is still talking about it. like. Mark Cuban's still talking about yeah. it. Like we are two games left in in this season. And now we're like publicly talking about the timeline in which we lost a free agent. And that just speaks to how the season's going. Because, you know, if we were top four seed right now, don't think, could be wrong, don't think that this would be a hot talking point for uh media or Cuban. And Cuban wants to, you know, try to defend himself and the Mavs with this. So it's just a wild, it's a wild scenario of you know the Tim McMahon tweet that fired out of Cuban blames Rick Brunson for losing you know Jalen Brunson in in free agency and it's like oh all right we're here we're gonna but the thing is it. though I mean if you're expected to be a lot better and then you have you know your season goes sideways very early on 
I mean, it's kind of it's going to be something that's talked about, you know, uh, especially yeah. with this franchise's unfortunate history of you know some free agency blunders uh, involving incumbent players, um, like Cat was talking about with Steve Nash and and others, Tyson a couple times, and so on and so on and so on and so on. Um, <laughs> I, I did have one last point to make about the take foul. Uh, sorry, I'm sure y'all y'all moved on. But oh, I remember that topic. My my sister's dog just lost his mind for like five seconds, and I had to save the day. Uh, but yeah, um, but like I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm like memeing on on Cuban and not just to like save my job. But also, I think generally, like if the take foul had not been implemented, then teams would have continued to just foul, right, uh, to, to cut down fast break opportunities. And the Mavs over the last, like, really 10 years, but especially the last three or four years, like in the Luka era, have consistently been not only the slowest team on offense, but among these the, the teams that limit transition opportunities the most for opponents. They do that by just completely disregarding the chance of getting offensive rebounds and getting back, but then also in the last couple of years by committing the take foul. And with that no longer being like a viable legal strategy, um, it does mean that you need more athletes. You know, you need more guys that can get up and down the floor because you don't have that safety valve, that that sort of like give up of just grabbing the guy so that he can't beat you. Because, I mean, the Mavs were among the league leaders in take fouls committed last season. And had oh, I didn't it not been implemented. Yeah, and had it not been implemented this year, they would have probably led the league, frankly. Um, so I, I do think – but. I, I think that you should have a team full of athletes no matter what the rules are. You know, I think you should have a team full of, ideally, around Luka, you want as many guys that are versatile, that can get up and down, that can play fast, that can guard multiple positions as possible. You shouldn't be sort of pigeonholed into committing the take foul just because it's an option, right? You should always be trying to add more athletes to the team. So um, I think that that's, that's, um, that, that's something worth mentioning. Yes. Thank okay, you. Cool. Take, pal. <laughs> cool. Cool. Um, okay. So here, here's another quote that I want to, um, that, that I want to, that I want to get your take on. Uh, what do the results tell you about what you need to do in the off season? So uh, now the season is still going on by the way, but we're already looking ahead. <laughs> uh, Mark says we need to get better defensively. The game has sped up. There's more scoring. It's more open. And so we needed better rim protection and just more ability to stop the point of attack. Now, those two things are different, right? Um, point of attack defenders are guys in the perimeter. That's your Reggie Bullock, your Dorian Finney-Smith, your Josh Green, your guys that are guarding the guy that has the ball 30 feet from the basket. Now, you need a rim protector if you either have very poor point of attack defense or your defensive system is designed around funneling guys into this rim protector, right? Like if you got Rudy Gobert behind you and you get beat off the dribble, well, hey, I'll just steer you conveniently into this giant that's going to send your shot into the 30th row, right? But unfortunately, the Mavs don't have that elite rim protector. Their defensive scheme isn't even really built around the idea of having a, a big rim protector. They like to bring their big men out closer to the action. Um, but also their point of attack defense hasn't been very good either. And so I, I'd like to hear your guys' perspective on would you rather, if if the Mavs can only do one or the other, which I'm not sure is the case, but if they can only if they only have the resources to upgrade either at perimeter defense or elite rim protection slash rebounding, what are you trying to upgrade this summer? Well, it depends on what Salamedri is up to. Uh, <laughs> 
if he's willing to come back, then it, it depends. But no, I mean, I, I would go perimeter defense. Um, I, I just, I, I would love to have, yeah, I just, I personally, I prefer a guy that can, you know, guard all these perimeter guys. You know, it feels like every other team that comes into Dallas has a dynamic, you know, guard or a dynamic wing. Some of them have, you know, multiple, multiple. And it's like when Paul George and Kawhi is healthy, you know, it's like, all right, you got to have multiple guys to guard those guys. Um, you know, I know Clay's gotten a little, well, they both gotten a little older, but it's like Clay and Steph, you know, and uh, like we could talk about these different, you know, dynamic kind of perimeter guys, but yeah, I mean, that's just where I would go. Guys that can switch, that can guard multiple positions, that can switch off on the one and hold their ground, that can switch off on some of these small ball fours at the same time. If I had to pick, I'm taking the perimeter defend defenders. Okay. Yeah. It's like, I was leaning the other way. But, I mean, obviously, you would want to upgrade both defensively for this team. But I would like to see more rim protection and rebounding because I feel like there you're losing opportunities either for second-chance points or just to not allow the other team to get second-chance points. And I think those are – that's an important battle there that the Mavs could get better at. Uh, Ideally – both <laughs> i'll further prove cat's point now i'm i could be switching i don't know but i'll <laughs> i'll be improving her that's point how too. i felt when i heard you too <laughs> i was like hold on okay of, make, of point. that like they you know cuban talked about obviously wanting to keep Kyrie. you know they plan to keep Kyrie this summer I think it's safe to say that Luca and Kyrie are, they're not going to be first, you know, first team all defense, probably not second team all defense uh, for the rest of their careers. Could be wrong. But if you're already locking that in as two guys that are super dynamic on the offensive end and you, you, you know, you're going to have two, let's say average defenders in your lineup, then you might put a bigger emphasis on a rim protector, you know, big this summer. Cause you're like, all right, even if we go out and get the best two, you know, perimeter defenders there are out there. We're still going to have two spots in that lineup that's going to be that could allow people to the rim. And I do so, think that one of those spots could be um, Josh Green, right? Like if he finesses his game a little bit more and like doesn't foul as much as he has in the past, and like kind of gets better at the defense in that aspect, I think I think he could be a big piece to that. I think the one issue with going after a rim protecting big though is that generally you're going to play like slightly more conservative defense um you're going to maybe take fewer chances because again your job is to direct guys to the shot blocker um i almost kind of want to go the other way and say screw it like let's crank up the aggression on defense let's like jump passing lanes what do the raptors do i mean the raptors play like full court traps and they play like one three ones and box and ones and they just throw all sorts of weird looks at you now they do have you were a lot gonna of say let's just go full offense i'm like oh no no <laughs> no one's here to watch doing. 80 80 to 80 <laughs> i mean that would be tight too i'd be i'd be down for that honestly but uh like be, the way that this mavs defense will succeed now maybe they can solve it in one summer right but i think they need size across the board they need more big guys and I don't mean just like centers I mean like they need more guys with thickness they need more guys that are built like Markeith Morris you know that can that can get rebounds at the four right they're they're a very small team right now Luca Kyrie Reggie Tim you know these these guys just they're not they're not bangers right now if you add more length 
or uh, across the board, or if you add like some super elite rim protector, then sure, maybe you can play the same kind of style. But if not, like, dude, let's just be, let's just go wild. Let's just put, let's just double team every pick and roll. Let's just like let, let Kyrie and let Luca, who, you know, sure, maybe they're not great defenders, but they do have exceptional uh, basketball IQs, right? They can see the game as it's happening. And so they're able to like anticipate a pass. Let's put them on the weak side and blitz the ball handler and let them take gambles and try and get steals. You know, like let's just, let's try to like be a little more kind of exciting about this thing because of the way they're playing defense right now, they're not forcing turnovers, they're not protecting the rim, and they're committing a lot of fouls. You can only do like one or two of those things. You can't do all three. That's like the ingredients of a really, really bad defense. You think uh, everybody in that Mavs roster right now wants to uh, try that much on defense? Well, I don't know. That's what the offseason is for. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. Because what you're describing is sounds awesome, but it does require a lot more effort defensively. It does. It does. And, you know, uh, like J-Kid said, with this personnel, I'm not sure that style is possible. Um, but I think it's pretty clear based on what Mark and what Nico and what J-Kid have all said throughout the season and also as recently as on Wednesday um, that potentially very significant changes are coming to this thing um, very soon. I mean, I don't know. So so we'll see. But uh, interesting insight from Mark. We didn't touch it all, uh, but we did touch some of the highlights. So, uh, yeah, that's that. Coming up next... We'll maybe put a bow on this one, and then we're also going to uh, pick our regular season awards. MVP, Rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year, and so on. So don't go anywhere, otherwise you're not going to know what we think. It's the Corner 3 on Studio 41 Radio. It is the Corner 3, and look. Look at that. It's the fourth quarter. It's the final segment of the show Man, what a show it's been. We've been talking a lot of big ideas, capital B, capital I. We're digging deep today. We're talking about how we're feeling. We're talking about how the the team's owner is feeling. We're talking about awards coming up next, which apparently is like a really big thing that the players are in their feels about or something. I don't really know. It's been sort of a weird year. Uh, I'm Bobby, joined by Katya and Isaac. Y'all, how you feeling? How we doing? Feeling good. Let's do this. Good. It's the last. Gosh, we have one one game left in the Mavs season, regular season, and potentially another one after that. We'll see how that goes, but uh, or how Friday night went. We're almost at the end. It's kind of weird. We are almost at the end now. Of course, if the Mavs do make the play in, we fully expect them to win that and then win their first round series and go all the way to the championship. So we're not the the total journey is not over, right? We're only like to the end of the like the. Preseason isn't part of the journey, so we're like toward the end of the first part of the journey, right? Now the real stuff is uh, definitely about to begin, right? We're going all the way, baby. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling. If 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 the last hour and a half has taught me anything, it's that we're all right on the same page. We're feeling good about the direction this thing is heading in. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Uh, so for the final segment here, we are going to talk about the regular season awards, right? So I'm running down the list. We got MVP. We got Defensive Player of the Year. We got Rookie of the Year. We got Sixth Man of the Year. We got Most Improved Player, Coach of the Year, and then a bunch of 
other awards that we could never predict <laughs> how those are going to go. Like, who's going to win the Community Assist Award? We have no idea. How about the Sportsmanship Award? Could not tell you. But what we can do is spit some takes. And uh, I want to take this opportunity to spit one take myself, and then I want to give you all a chance to either call me an idiot or agree with me, uh, or potentially something else. It's, it's your choice. Individual awards, I've never really cared about at all, to be honest. Um, I think it's extremely weird and lame how big of a deal the quote-unquote MVP race has been this season. Um, I think it's really weird that players campaign for themselves for awards so much. Uh, I think it's I, I think Joel Embiid is obviously incredible, but I think it's weird how often he talks about it. Um, I think it's weird how much Nikola Jokic is praised for not talking about it by the same people who spend all day talking about it on their own shows. I just think it's really weird. I understand that you run out of content to talk about if you don't watch the games, um, but I just don't understand why the MVP thing has been such a toxic, annoying talking point all season long. Am I right or am I a, a doofus? Am I just dumb? I'll say that I I think the the discourse around it is dumb. I think it does matter. I probably I think it I think it is a big deal. Like who wins it? Um, you know, I think you, it depends on the person, like what it means of like oh, MVP, you most valuable of your team, or like it becomes a narrative thing you know, looking at standing, there's so much that goes into it, but I think it definitely matters a lot. I hate how the discourse has turned into it. Cause like, you can't talk about one without saying the other one ties their shoes weird. And it's just like, well, why do we have to do, why do we have to go after the other one? And, and yeah. And it just, it becomes some deeper conversation every time. Does one of them yeah. tie their shoes weird? I don't know. I haven't read a Tim Cato story on it. Okay. That would be a Tim Cato story. I just I just don't agree with the fact that in order to like make yourself look better, you have to put other people down. Like you should just shine yeah. on your own accord, right? Uh cats are preaching this this afternoon. Yeah, yeah uh, I mean thanks. Yeah. I, I mean, don't Doc know what they say about like the flowers, but it's like each flower can bloom without like having to interfere with the other one. <laughs> I mean Doc, never Doc heard that said one. Yeah, it's something like that. I'll find it. Doc said the MVP race is over. So, I mean, I, I guess it's over. I mean, said Sock River said it was over. So, I just think it's weird we call it a race because then, like, got to do check ins at the quarter pole and stuff. Like, it's just so weird. Like, what are we doing? We talk I about think, it, like, well, when we run out of things to talk about mid season, we talk about who we think is. We have done that a we, couple times. We check yeah. in. <laughs> I mean, when your season has went like it has, we're doing a whole segment on it. So, uh, right now yeah. <laughs> well it's only 25 percent of our weekly show but there have been people talking about it on espn like every day for like six months yeah. now you know and it's just such a Jokic loses to the rockets well knock him down what does this mean for his mvp yeah 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 exactly like every game is a referendum it? and like Embiid plays against Jokic and the Sixers win that game and it's like oh well Embiid is taking the lead but then the next time they play Embiid doesn't play and Kendrick Perkins is like I'm gonna remember this when it comes time to cast my vote it's like brother who cares he's hurt who cares I can't like believe he gets a vote yeah <laughs> that's, that's tough it's just it so is. weird it's just so weird but okay all right with all of that in mind it's time to cast our votes now Kati and I, because we work for a team, we do not get a vote in the awards. Uh, Isaac, 
do you get a vote? No, I, no? I don't. I, well, they approached me about it. Adam Silver sent me an email mm. and um, oh, actually sent me a DM, but I had to, you know, sift through a bunch of the other agent DMs and I just couldn't get to it in time. So I don't have a vote this year. Well, darn, there's always next year. Uh, maybe next year will finally be the year that Luca wins MVP. But until then, Vegas will still have him as the favorite every Cal- single summer. won't vote for him. um just kidding we love you kelly we do we do uh okay so mvp um who who is y'all's mvp okay you want to go first um yeah i'll go first i mean i think i think it's gonna be the three p i think it's gonna be Jokic. i do oh So okay, yeah. well, what are we? Are we doing predictions, or are we doing based on how we feel, or like what we think is right? I mean, I guess those are kind of the same thing, anyway, aren't they? Or... They, I don't know. That's just that's my my gut is telling me that. But then also, prediction wise, I think it might be Embiid because he might have just pushed the narrative consistently, and. I think that's the nicest way I can say that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Can I ask you this question? And I ask it full honesty. I can't figure out the, the answer to it. What is Joel Embiid's case over Giannis? Because he's leading the league in scoring. Okay. So Embiid's at 33 game. Giannis at 31. Giannis averages almost two rebounds more game than Joel Mm. Embiid. Um, you go across the board, it's like field goal percentage. Giannis's team has a better record. That's the biggest thing. Like, they're the number one seed. They have 58 wins. And, you know, I know Philly's at, like, 53. So, there's, like, you know, like a five or six win difference there. I think it's 53, 54, one of those, or 52. But um, I just don't get it besides the fact that, like, Giannis has won MVPs, you know, before. And it's become, like, a, hey, Joel versus Jokic type thing. Giannis is my MVP. And I, I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I just don't know the big case against that. You both make compelling cases. Um, I can't really disagree with either of you. I think Embiid has been campaigning the most. I think Jokic's on-offs are pretty undeniable. Um, and I think Giannis is the best player on the best team. And Giannis might be the best player in the NBA. Uh, Giannis is... One of the best players of all time. I don't know how highly he ranks quite yet, but he's up there. Um, Man, I guess to split the difference, because Kat, you said Jokic should win it, but Embiid might because of the the campaigning. I'm going to say Embiid should win it, but Jokic might win it because of the too much campaigning on the other side. How about that? That's like splitting the difference. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, there's also like the fatigue, like the MVP fatigue. So like people don't want to see the same person get it three years in a row, you know, but yeah, I I, mean, Western conference, Jokic, Eastern conference. I think Giannis is a better player, but yeah, I think Isaac bring Isaac, you made a really good point. If this was literally like any other year, or if and maybe if they couldn't campaign at all, Giannis would be like the runaway MVP. They have the best record in the league. He's the best player in the league. His stats are just otherworldly. 
Middleton's been in and out of the lineup all year. Like this, this should be Giannis's award. I I agree with Cat. Uh, I mean, I think I think Joel wins it. So I'm just saying what I think. Who I think should win it is Giannis. But I think Embiid, especially over this, as fair or fair or not fair, you think it is. I think over the past week, these final weeks of the season hold so much weight. It feels like, um, and it probably doesn't help that you know. Every NBA Central Twitter account is posting every quote from every player across the league that's wanting to do some type of media interview that's saying Joel Embiid is the MVP. He would get my vote when none of them have votes. So His little trainer has been putting work. <laughs> His little trainer? <laughs> Sorry. I mean, whatever. Yeah. Drew Hamlin is beside yeah. himself. That's incredible. <laughs> that's my favorite moment of all today's show. <laughs> I just want to, like, quote tweet something like, Cat says his little trainer. Oh <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know who that guy is, but yeah, he does. <laughs> uh, awesome. All right, rookie of the year. I, I, we're we're all in unanimous agreement here. It's Paolo, right? Is there any any dissenters? Oh no, don't don't start with the Jalen Williams rookie of the year stuff. Like, love him. <laughs> what about I, was, I wasn't Kessler? going to. I was going to say Walker Kessler is a good second. We just, we actually just did our, for the Locked On Network, we just did our, like, our FanDuel, um, I think it's like a, some FanDuel sponsored MVP, like, vote thing for the network, so then it creates content for everybody to talk about. So, I actually did the, the uh, I, I voted for, you know, obviously Palo, and then I did Jalen Williams, and then Walker Kessler, so, I think it's... Walker Kessler's awesome. been really, really good. Really, mm-hmm. really, I, really, really good yeah. this year. I just think um, it's a cool story. It's like, hey, we traded Rudy for yeah. all of these picks. And then look, we got Walker <laughs> and Rudy who? Hootie. Okay. Let's skip defensive player of the year. Uh, sixth man of the year. Now, this one, I don't really know what to make of this one. Um Norman Powell is your leader in scoring off the bench, 17.3 points per game. Ben Matherin, the rookie, had a really, really good year coming off the bench. But, like, you know, players that you would think would be, like, in the running, like Jordan Poole, I don't think he – I think he started too many games or I don't think he's played enough games or something to to technically qualify. Um, If you're ranking guys by bench scoring, Russell Westbrook and Christian Wood are both in the top five. Malcolm Brogdon in Boston. I mean, there's there feels like there's some there's some pretty good candidates here. Uh, Isaac, am I am I missing anybody obvious, or did I did I just name one of the winners right now? No, I, I'd vote for Brogdon. Um, I you know once again everybody has their different criteria for or what holds more weight for people. Standings does matter to me probably more than you know some voters, and the fact that he is a key part for this Boston team that's you know second in the East. Uh, I think he's like 15, 16 points a game. He's shooting like 45% from three this season, like over four attempts. Like he's just been a really good pickup for him. And he would be my vote for it's he's not the most points. Off. Typically, you know, it goes to the Jordan Clarkson, Lou Williams, who could score the most points off the bench type of thing. But I would, I would pick Brogdon. What about Tyrese Maxey? Mm-hmm. I think he's started too many games. Don't you have oh, to, okay. you have to, yeah, he's only come off the bench twenty two times, so you you have to. Because uh, I know, I think, like mid season, yeah, when we talked about this, like he was pretty high on my list for six. Yeah, months. he was kind of like a almost like a late addition to. Uh, to the I mean, that's kind of what he was happened. Still, like in and out. Yeah, it's what happened with like JB. 
mm-hmm. where he yeah, was like, yeah. or like coming yeah. off the bench with, and then like yeah. With what about Bertans? Bertans? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> how about Chris Middleton in the games he's come off the bench? Milwaukee is thirteen and one. How about that? Um, I think you make a compelling case for Malcolm Brogdon. It's also a way to give a Celtics player an award because we know um, a Celtic has to win an award every single year. Ben Matherin, I like the idea of a rookie winning six man of the year. I just think that's real tight. Uh, yeah, but not winning cool. rookie of the year. So I'm 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 pulling for Ben Matherin. But I also oh, think I like Nor- Norman Powell is Norman Powell is a bench player who strikes fear into me. Um so I, I wouldn't have any problems with him winning the award either. Any uh Austin Reeves love? Uh he moving started, on started Defense, Defensive Player of the Year now. Uh, last year's winner was Marcus Smart. It's typically goes to a big man. Is a big man going to win it again this year? Or are we going on the perimeter? Are we going guard? What are we thinking? I y'all are going to laugh at me for who I pick, but okay. Well, let, let me go. Let me, I I just I don't know. Um, if we're going to laugh at Isaac, I, that's a way to sell the award, man. Draymond is very interesting because Golden State kind of has similar issues to the Mavs. Um, they're kind of a small team. You know, they have their two of their key players, Steph and Clay. You know, Clay used to be like a very, very, very good defender, but at this time, all the injuries, the age, and all that stuff, Steph and Clay are like on their best days, kind of average defenders, kind of like Luca and Kyrie, right? And yet Draymond holds it all together. They've been playing for without Wiggins for a long time. You know, Gary Payton was so good for them defensively last year. He's not there anymore. You know, Looney, Looney is good, right? But for the most part, oh, well, yeah, he came back, but he hasn't played yet or like just now returned, whatever. He was with the Blazers for a while. Um, Draymond holds it all together and makes them, I don't know where they rank defensively this year, but I know they're, they're higher than the Mavs, you know? Um, So Draymond is a one man defense. Um, So I could see it for him. Brooke Lopez it's hard for Brook Lopez to win it because Giannis is so stinking good too, you know. I so mean, Giannis I is always a candidate there too, which is didn't so he win it? He won it a few years ago, right? He did, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I, I feel like it's almost like 
can you have one defensive player of the year if your teammate is also going to finish top five in voting? It's kind of like MVP. Like, can you can you really be like, can you have two top 20 MVP candidates? Doesn't that kind of detract from your your own candidacy if the other guy's well, just as have, good? Well, you have three players in the first two in the two all defensive teams. Yeah, with Drew. I mean, you might have three players on the first all defensive team. <laughs> I mean, they're that good. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That'll be that'll be an interesting one. I bet the voting will be close on that um, between Draymond, Brooke, and you know maybe other sleeper contenders. Um, how about uh, how about Coach of the Year? It's Mike Brown, right? I mean, is there any any other cases to be made? Uh, the other case I would make is uh, Joe Missoula, but mm. I think it's going to be Mike Brown. Rookie head coach, kind of tumultuous circumstances. It, little, yeah. it was very controversial. Uh, like, I mean, not him, but like the whole situation at first. And, you know, he did yeah. well. Yeah, it, it's Mike Brown. He's got it in a bag. Um, I'd like to give love to two other people, uh, Dagnolt and OKC, the fact that, you know, they yeah. will like to play in um, will be uh, kind of a, a thing for them. Um, and then I think Jock Vaughn should deserve some love. I was going to say, I got to throw some love out to Jock Vaughn as well. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard him, like, just in his pressers afterwards, but, like, he just seems like the coolest dude. Yeah. Like, he's, he's happy to be there, super cool and- dude, good vibes. I like and him. talking about a dude has went through some crap this year yeah. uh, with that oh, Brooklyn yeah. situation. And then, you know, they make the trade and then he still keeps them like they didn't like free fall. I mean, they're a playoff team. Like they're going to finish sixth. And Dude, Mikhail like, Bridges is. Oh, yeah. Oh. Gonna, yeah, he's, he's great. Yeah. So and Dorian. Anyway, there you go. <laughs> Shout out Dorian. Shout out Spencer. Uh, in closing, in closing, last one, most improved player. Now, John Morant won this last year. Um, for the same reasons that Luca did not win it the year before. That's why individual awards don't so matter weird, because, yeah. like, who cares? Um, this year, I think there are a lot of really interesting candidates. I would give my vote to Larry Markinen, though, because I feel like he made a really, 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 really impressive leap. Uh, but I- I'm curious to hear y'all's thoughts. Mine's Shay. Shay's got this, man. He's got to get this. Shay, for sure. He's unbelievable, but, like, he was already good. That's But I guess he wasn't. He wasn't as good as Jaw last year. You know, like, I guess, so maybe, did, was his leap bigger than Jaw's? SGA is going to go from, yes. like, tw- 24 a game to, like, 31 a game. And there's a decent case for SGA to get first-team All-NBA. Like, that leap to first-team All-NBA. I mean, he's he's basically fighting Donovan Mitchell and Luka for one of those guard spots. And I mean, Do you guys think Jalen Brunson's in the conversation? Ooh, that's a good one. I I mean his his last few weeks. Yeah, that's a good one because I mean his his numbers were good in the playoffs, but they were kind of modest in the regular season, right? And then all of a sudden now he's like maybe not the feature player, I guess maybe that's Julius, but like either way, really really key piece of a mm-hmm. of a playoff. It kind of depend. It kind of depends on if his dad gets involved. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, I guess we should we should end the show before. <laughs> We provide the people with any more incriminating audio. Uh, we'll see what happens. But hey, here's the deal. Mavs final game of the season tomorrow. That is Sunday against the Spurs. Uh, whether they make the plan or whether their season goes down in flames, we will be back with you next week for sure. Now, if the Mavs season ends, next week will be our last show. If they keep going, hey, so are we. 
So you want to make sure you're here. Same time, same place. Studio 41 Radio. This is the Corner 3 on 97.1 The Freak. For Katya, for Isaac, I'm Bobby. And we will see y'all next weekend.